0: Today's uh, reading is from Song of Songs, chapter five, verses two through eight. Um, I'll give you a bit of time to find that in the Bibles. It's on page 683 (laughs) in the Church (laughs) Bibles. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe, must I put it on again? I've washed my feet, must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening, my heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved. My hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me. As they made their rounds in the city, they beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak. watchmen of the wall, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. If you find my beloved, what will you tell him? I will meet with love.
1: Thank you very much Caleb. Um, Morning everybody. Um, I'm going to speak a little bit about um, that passage that was just read for us. Um, There are ways that you can follow along um, if you'd find it helpful to follow along in what I'm going to say in English. There is um, an electronic version of what I'm going to say that is available through our website. The the, uh, link is behind me there forward slash transcript and you can follow along on a device. Um, if you would rather a written Farsi copy, we've got a few at the side, and also two French copies, um, if that is your first language as well. Um, but aside from all of those, please do keep a Bible open in front of you. We're going to be looking at that passage, trying to make sense of it. Um, my name's Josh. I'm one of the, the leaders here, um, so hopefully you'll stick with me for the next little while. Um, let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at his, his word. Dear Father, as we look at this song and all that this song sings about, we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts, that we might learn how to live rightly in your world and especially we would learn how to walk with Jesus and find our delight in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I preached a couple of weeks ago on the Song of Songs and I mentioned something that i have noticed when I was looking at all the other songs about love that we hear around us all the time. Remember, Song of Songs is called Song of All Songs. It means it's the best song of all the songs. And we, what we often find is that in all of the songs that we listen to our, on our radios or Spotify playlists, a lot of the themes that come up in those songs are found here in this best ever song. And the thing that I've noticed comes up a lot in those songs is how many songs about love speak about the pain and the hurt involved. Last month, I read that the artist um, Shakira, she released a track all about her anger at her ex-husband. And it was record-breaking how many people listened to it. In the first 24 hours, it had uh, 63 million YouTube views. The song about anger about love gets a lot of interest. It's now got th- 320 million views on YouTube. The one song on Spotify this week is a song called Flowers. That's all about a broken relationship. And I was reading about um, a big award ceremony, the Brit Awards. is a British pop music awards, where Harry Styles, one of the biggest pop music artists, performed a song where he was talking about how sad it is that things aren't as they used to be in his relationship. He says, I don't wanna talk about the way that it was. I can't sing this to you, I don't know it. (laughs) As it was, you know it's not the same as it was. As as a culture, when we write all the songs about love, we've recognized that we have given up on the dream that there is such a thing as a happily ever after. It might be the Hollywood kind of uh, hope But we also do find lots of TV dramas or books that you read or films and these pop songs that just they teach us to be cynical, that there is no such thing as a happy ever after. The relationship really won't hit those heights and stay there for good. And that the realism that comes up in all those other songs is not a new thing, because in the passage we had read in the song of all songs, where we get a first glimpse at this What has so far been an ideal relationship, we get a first glimpse at this relationship being a bump. And we're going to see that it gives quite a helpful insight into human relationships. But even more, if, as we've been saying throughout this series, this is about that, if this relationship and love and marriage is about the church, then this part of the song is going to be crucial for you if you're experiencing or have ever experienced a sense of distance and loss in your spiritual life. So let's look closer, and we'll see that this bit of the song, uh, in this bit of the song, one of the main characters, the woman, the bride, uh, she is bothered and bruised. This There's a strange section of the song, because it follows on from last week's high point. If you were here last week, you may or may not remember it, Last week's passage was a scene of great romance. And the man who's the groom, he spoke so highly of his bride, he said to her that she reminded him of all God's promises, all the beauty of what it would be like to to live in God's place under his blessing. And her response was to invite him into enjoyment of the deepest intimacy. We can guess behind the metaphors that this is probably their wedding night. And everything that comes with it. In other words, we've come to the end of the previous passage and it's a happily ever after. Or is it? Oh, that the song of Solomon would stop there. But here in chapter 5 and verse 2, we're going to walk with the woman through a disappointment, which is actually so common in even the most beautiful of marriages. What happens here is the woman wakes to find her husband knocking at the door. He's been outside, he's cold, he's wet, he's exposed to the elements and he wants to come in to experience intimacy with his bride. Now she delays and he perceives that she's kept the door locked to him. That's significant because in the last chapter she was a locked garden who unlocked herself. But here she's locked up again and he respects that so he, he withdraws, he gives her the space she wants. And suddenly she changes her mind in about verse 5, and she opens the door in verse 6 only to find that he's gone. And in her panic, she rushes with thinking out into the unprotected darkness, and she finds trouble ahead. In this little episode, she finds at some point that this relationship, which we had thought is just absolutely beautiful, she finds in the day-to-day there's something about it that's just a little bit of a bother to her. But she finds herself bruised by the end. It's not particularly nice kind of verse in the song. Some people think this is her nightmare. She says, I slept, but my soul was awake. So she's asleep, she's experiencing this just in her mind. But whether or not it is a nightmare, we're supposed to walk with her through something that brings her a lot of pain. And there's a song about human relationships. Uh, it does replay to us something, if we just stop and think, you'll probably find it. it's quite familiar. Wonderful relationships so very often hit the ropes because one person becomes emotionally closed. It is hard to keep the flame of passion burning bright. It's true, that's the way things are. And verse 3 represents some of the things that she says gets in the way, maybe some of the reasons people give. Reasons that are real, that are legitimate, even if in her case they sound a little bit thin. She says... Oh, man, it's just hard. You know, I've already put on my pyjamas. Do I really have to get dressed? I've already washed my feet. Do I really have to get up? And maybe those were more weighty reasons in a culture where um, you didn't have running water in the showers and no central heating. It was uh, not the right time for her. But tiredness and busyness and distraction, they are all true. They are all valid enough. But her experience, and I'm sure if you reflect on yours, uh, it's often hours too is it before we realize it we've kept the door locked to a loved one going pouring cold water on what was once a roaring flame perhaps this is the the couple who spend so many evenings just being busy that the only time for sexual intimacy within marriage it just feels better off sleeping catching up on rest. Or maybe this is the wife who would rather open up her heart and her worries to her best friend and keep herself closed to her husband. Or maybe this is the husband who keeps all of his anxieties and his worries to himself. He keeps his door locked. He pretends everything is fine. Uh, this is whatever other barriers you know of that, uh, that put up walls towards intimacy, keeping ourselves emotionally locked up. Just worth noting, you might have had this experience not in a romantic relationship, but in friendship, or a relationship with children or siblings. And the woman in the song, she learns that this doesn't come without consequences. Her husband finds the door locked. He tries the handle, but it's still locked, so he respects that she wants her space. The husband in this song has always been gentle. Has never been forceful, and so he departs. That's what she wants. But then for her, she changes her mind. She hastily puts on her perfume. That's what I think in verse 5, the hands dripping with myrrh is. Um, This is her perfume that hasn't had time to kind of evaporate off. Um, And she, in her hurry, goes to the door, only to find that he's gone. And verse 6, she says her heart sinks. This is getting dark and painful for her. And all of a sudden, without his protection, she now is at the mercy and cruelty of a world where she ends up hurt and bruised. Now, let me just say, it's important to say that verse 7, where she goes out and gets um, beaten by the watchman, this isn't saying that that any assault on a woman is her fault. It's not saying that it's her fault that she got beaten because she went out alone at night. That's not what it's saying at all. The whole song is here as a picture of relationship, not a, a commentary on literally what happens and what should and shouldn't happen. And it's not saying that this is okay. Perhaps a good way to think of it is in a, to imagine it really is her nightmare. Um, I remember years ago, I used to help out on a kids' camp, a youth camp in the summer, and it was all under tents. Um, and we had the job of putting up all the tents at the beginning and putting it all down at the end. It was quite a lot of hard work and on the very last day i'd had a very long tired week and i was part of the staff um, but on the last day it's all hands on deck to put everything down and so we were putting down tents we were in teams we all had a job to do um, i was more experienced so i probably had quite a few jobs to do um, and i remember just feeling just quite tired and exhausted at the end of a long week and probably just a little bit fed up and while everyone was going around with a job to do and working hard, I went back to my tent and I sat down and I just thought, I'm just gonna take a breather and I'm gonna let them do the work because I can't manage this right now. So I sat down for a breather, lay down, I fell asleep. And as I slept, I had a dream and I had a dream about what was going on around me. I had a dream about packing down the camp. And in my dream, Everyone else was packing down the camp. The people who had been really working hard this week—people I'd grown to love—well, they were working so hard. They were bringing down the canvas. They were knocking out tent pegs. They were getting it all done. And in my dream, I woke up. In my dream, and they kept my tent, and it was all done. It was all finished. They were all kind of celebrating over a cup of tea, saying, "Oh, well done, guys!" There was a good sense of teamwork and camaraderie, and I felt so ashamed that I just stepped out and decided to be lazy and, and let them do it all. I just hadn't done the work I was supposed to do. And then, in real life, are you keeping up? In real life, I woke up. So I really woke up. Only to find that you know five minutes had passed and nothing had happened. And so my dream had taken me down a route that was true of what would happen and one that I didn't want to see happening. And the shame I felt mistakes I had made in my dream really taught me, actually, now I've got a chance to do what I think should be done. So I got up and I had a new sense of willingness to go and help out all the other people, to actually do the, the job I'd been given and to help out in packing down the camp. Well, the woman, if this is her nightmare, she's playing out this scene in her, in her mind. And the take-home lesson is, well, given that the world is dangerous and evil, and given that right here, there's a loving and gentle and protective soulmate, she's now coming to have an attitude that it, it ought not to be a bother to her to get up and, and invest in him. Now, this speaks to anyone who is married, who can relate maybe to last week, the locked garden opening up marital bliss. If you can relate to that, well, then it says to you not to be naive about where distractedness and coldness and emotionally closeness will lead. You see where this goes for her. This speaks to anyone who perhaps today has realized the distance that they've opened up with a loved one by being closed off emotionally. And perhaps it shows what you're missing, the mistake of doing that and maybe not romantically, perhaps it's speaking to those of us who spent more time relaxing and you know, washing our feet, as it were, than actually opening the door to really friendships, only to find exactly what our bride found, loneliness follows, and absence, and bad company. It shouldn't be a bother to open up the door. But this is the song of all songs because it also recognizes that this is about that. Our experience of feeling bothered by a relationship and maybe keeping the door closed and yet finding that we get bruised by our coldness and closeness, well, that experience is meant to shed light on something else. It teaches us how we are also like that towards God. And the nightmare of the bothered and bruised bride is under the surface also about how we are distracted and distant towards God. Whenever I speak to people who uh, are struggling spiritually, it's usually that there's some sense that they've um, lost Jesus. We find ourselves in the verse 6 moment in this passage. Um, We feel like we're opening the door to Jesus. I'm doing the, the right things. I'm here at church. When I can manage it, I am opening the Bible. I'm searching for him. I'm in a search for Jesus, but I've just lost him. There's a a real distance there. Your spiritual life is not intimate. That's not the word you'd use. It's not captivating. That's not the word you'd use. This idea of a romance feels a million miles away. Actually, perhaps this picture of losing Jesus feels closer to home. It's really comforting, you know, that this passage is here in the Bible. We'd like to think that for the bride and groom in this song, in the Song of Songs, that they're gonna live this happily ever after. Especially after the beauty of the passage last week, uh, where we learned that that is a picture of how Jesus wildly and passionately loves us and longs for us. If it did stop there, you and I would probably feel quite, quite off for having lost Jesus. We think something is profoundly wrong, that we've lost Jesus. But this is then a really important passage. What's going on here? If the story is a beautiful one, how is it that I have lost Jesus? How is it that I've got to the place I'm at? Surely if Jesus is so amazing, if he's like the perfect husband, well surely that in his marriage there won't be any bumps. And we get to here that while Jesus remains perfect... And while he loves us with a perfect love, it must be that the distance has come when his bride, that's us, is distracted or complacent or just getting those priorities wrong and thinking that something is more important than him. Now, Jesus still speaks tenderly. Look at verse 2. He says four names for her. That's really beautiful. He says, open to me, my sister, my darling." My dove, my flawless one. By the way, I'm not pointing that out so that I can say, oh, he's in the right. So the blame lays lays squarely with you. You must be wrong. Actually, quite the opposite. Notice that Jesus is knocking and he calls with the tenderness of someone who's not coming to lay the blame. He's not harsh. You see, what's going on is that we just don't get the safety of that. We don't get the beauty of that. So just like the bride who can't bring herself to open the door because she wants to sort out her dirty feet, she wants to cover up her vulnerability before she can unlock the door. Is that maybe how you've lost Jesus? Is that where the distance has come from? Is it that you've got issues that you kind of want to sort out first before unlocking the door to Jesus? There's a vulnerability that you just don't even want to speak to him about. I suppose. More practically, what this might be looking like in someone's life is that Jesus is kept into one compartment of life. The distance is created when we say, well, Jesus is about knowing the facts about him, and I believe that, and that's the area of my faith. Good, sorted. We'll keep it there. And not actually believing, and not expecting that the Bible and church and Jesus will actually speak life into the issues you care most about the things that make you happy, or the things that hurt you. I don't know, maybe it might actually just be more obvious than that. I I know quite a few people would admit that actually it's just that the priorities are wrong. Spending time with Jesus isn't a priority. For many people, this isn't complicated how you've lost Jesus. You're distracted. You're apathetic. You're busy. You're tired. But this passage is here. For those of us like that, because it explains to you where Jesus is when you try and find him. It paints this picture that you've only ever tried to set up life to avoid his deep involvement in life and kept that door shut and only opened it too late. And he will let you experience that distance from him if that's what you wanted. And the passage is here so that we can step into the bride's nightmare for a moment. And see that when you step out of the place of love and kingly protection, the world in darkness will only fill your hopes with hurt. It'll meet your vulnerability with violence. So if her nightmare teaches her that opening up to the gentle and safe lover isn't a bother, then this Dream tells the church that drawing close to Jesus isn't a horrible task that leaves you vulnerable. Actually, drawing away from him does. But there's a beautiful solution. Spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what happens next in the passage. Um, So sorry if you like surprises. Um, In her lostness, um, in verse 9, the bride's friends say, well, what's so special about this guy anyway that you'd be so desperate without him? And that prompts her um, to sing a song where she brings to mind all the wonderful things about him she responds to that by singing all the things she knows about him in terms a lot like he sang to her she reminds herself of how he reminds her of God's character of God's promises and the safety and fullness of life God has promised to his people and after she's worshipped like that they then ask her so where is he And all of a sudden, it's clear to her. He's where he's always been. He's exactly where I'd have expected to find him. This is about that. This story of a lost lover is about Christians who lose Jesus. But the end of this story is about how he's never been hiding. He's never made himself hard to find. And the clarity of that becomes clear when the bride simply worshipped. When she stepped into sending the message out via her friends in verse 8, to tell him that I do love him, and then entering into worship and adoration, speaking to him in song, meditating, adoring, she really does then actually enter into how his beauty is soul-fulfilling for her. If you want all the specifics of that, come back next week. But that story of the lost and found lover is your story if you've lost Jesus. If your spiritual life is dry and distant Jesus isn't hiding from you he's not far away the key isn't to rush out into the darkness and to start looking for him in the wrong places so don't try to find Jesus through new and novel spirituality trends or if you find them don't try and find him by looking deep inside yourself doing some soul searching and introspection don't church hop Until you feel like you found a church where you found him. In this passage, it's not panicked searching that helps the bride, it's remembering. And she ends up coming to remember that she is wed and won. Listen, if you've lost Jesus, you don't need to win him back. He's always loved you. Let him win you back. Meditate on what you already know about him. By that, I just mean think about it and let that affect you deeply. Think on his love, his grace, his gentleness, his wisdom, his goodness, his death for you. Think about his resurrection and how he now sits on the throne directing everything according to his plan, which is designed for your good and his glory. Adore him for all that he is towards you. Let him love you and let your soul be to wonder at how all his beauty is soul-fulfilling to you. Whenever I've spoken to people who feel that they've lost Jesus, the most helpful thing has always been to stop searching and to be found. And that completely changes that person's uh, distracted and distant spiritual life to learn and one know that he loves you and died to make you his it's just more than a person can manage to win Jesus over but the Jesus we see in the groom in this passage he's already there knocking at the door loving tender words He's not wanting to be won over. Don't come to church because you think that will please Jesus. Come to church so that you can be told how much he takes pleasure in you. It's insecurity that makes a bride worry about washing her feet and covering up. It's insecurity that makes her rush out into the dangerous dark. And it's insecurity that makes me put distance between me and Jesus as I try and sort out my life before I let him in. It's insecurity that makes me come because I think that that's what he'll be pleased with. But he knocks to tell you that you are loved, you're treasured, you're safe and wed. There's a popular way of putting this when I was in my teens. They said, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. If Jesus is knocking then open up. There's nothing he's going to see that will make him love you less. Open up, come as you are. If you feel like you've lost him, well, there's nothing that you're going to achieve in your searching that's going to make him love you more. What you're going to find is how wonderfully and passionately he already loves you. Well, I don't know what we're going to find to be number one on Spotify this week, uh, but I don't doubt that we're going to keep on hearing songs that press into that realism of how relationships fail and loved ones lose one another. Losing someone's not an unusual experience, it's a common experience. And it is in this Song of Songs as well, but even in this best of all songs, even in the most hard and uncomfortable of passages, it still sings to us that in our distractedness and in our excuses, when we're lost and distant, it seems to us we're already safe and wed and loved and treasured. You don't need to be sorted, just, just open up. You don't need to win him back. Just remember how he has won you.